At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'd be want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. Sometimes we get this really important number, and the market just kind of shrugs. And that's what happened today with the December non-farm payroll report, which seemed to come in surprisingly strong, real, real high. Yeah, it wasn't market moving. And the Dow only finished the day gently rising 26 points. That's to be advanced 0.18%. NASDAQ even edged up 0.09%. When that happens, we got to go through the agonizing process of trying to figure out if this is new data or something good or bad for stocks. Torturous process that forces you to think about how hard it is to do nothing. Market participants wanted to jump at the chance of the idea that the number was too hot, but it really wasn't. It was consistent, and there was nothing to do about it. Ultimately, common sense can prevail, and that's what we saw when there was nothing special at all. It's just an averted collision, nothing to see here. So investors then moved on to buy some oil companies with a lot of rumors of takeovers there, some pharma stocks. That's that next week, J.P. Morgan Conference and Constellation Brands, the beer and wine spirits company we have on later in the show. That's fine with me, as I am headed off to San Francisco this weekend for the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. Now, I think that that is going to be market moving one after another after another. And I intend to give you the scoop on so many of these companies. So please watch club members. Tons of bulletins on the ones we have, by the way. With that in mind, what's the game plan for next week? For, uh, look, look, forget earnings for a minute. Let's talk about interviews. We hear the phrase jam-packed all the time, but I defy it to be more wall-to-wall than I'm going to be starting Monday. It, my wife's upset about it. It starts with Walgreens, where I'll sit down with the new CEO, Tim Wentworth, and talk about his strategy to return the luster this once great institution that cut its dividend this week. Hey, last night, Lisa Gill, the outstanding healthcare analyst from J.P. Morgan, who hosts the conference, she said this stock could be big for this year, so I cannot wait to sit down with Tim. He's a smart fella. Then I'll have the first ever interview with Chris Boner. He is the new CEO of Bristol Myers. Talk about the, his very aggressive year-end biotech takeover spree, among other issues. I, Chris has got a lot of plans about how to make it so that Bristol Myers grows very well for this decade. And Jeff Martha's up next from Medtronic. We're going to discuss diagnostics and cardio. Then it's time to speak to Bob Bradway. I always, I've spoken to him before, but not on air. He at Amgen, you can talk about everything from cardio and migraine to cancer and GOP-1 weight loss meds and a once-a-month pill form. Of course, these are just top line. We'll go in-depth on multiple topics. This is just the stuff that's front and center. I'd love to have him on. He has so much to talk about, including the fact that his stock just hit a 52-week high. We wind up Monday with Theresa Graham. She's CEO of Roche Pharma with a look at the company that rarely talked about on air. Tuesday's more of the same. I start with David Ricks from Eli Lilly, where, of course, we'll be talking about weight loss, diabetes, revolutionary drug that is uh, Zepbound Monjaro. But I also want to hear about Lilly's Alzheimer's initiative. Next is Alvin Borla, Doc Borla from Pfizer, who's putting the company's COVID-era profits to work in an aggressive way that has yet to pay off, but we're early. Our first guest ever on Mad Money was Ledge Schleifer from Regeneron way back when the stock was at 5 
bucks. It's now at 913. We got to talk about how that happened because Regeneron also has a plethora of winners in its pharma stable. Then uh, Vasan Narasimhan comes on. He's done amazing things with Novartis since I spoke to him last at the conference. We're going to find out what's propelling the stock. Then I get to speak to Karen Lynch about how she's managing CVS Health's continued transition from a drugstore to more of a healthcare provider. I think she has a lot of prescient stuff to say about the business. Lots of people don't know a company called Sancora, but that's because it used to be known as a Marisource Bergen, a drug distributor. It's one of the linchpins of our healthcare system, Concha Hawk and PA for you Philadelphians. Then, uh, then uh, we got to talk to Abbott Labs, why they consider to be one of the best medical device companies on Earth. The stock is historically very cheap. You might still be using their COVID tests. You certainly might be using diabetes uh, devices. Finally, we'll talk to Tom Poland. He's the CEO of Beckton Dickinson. That company's stock was hit real hard at the last quarter. Maybe it's a bargain. We also got CES, the giant consumer tech show, next week. I sure wish I could be in both places. CES would be the venue for an NVIDIA speech. I expect CEO Jensen Wong to remind people why the stock rallied so hard last year and continue to do so. I'm looking for more information on NVIDIA's software initiatives, which aren't getting enough credit. Hey, by the way, Michael Dell's giving me a fireside chat at the conference, and I hope he talks about that new Microsoft Copilot button that brings artificial intelligence to you, uh, at least on your PC. Will it ignite a new PC cycle? I think it should. No one paid attention to me when I talked about it this week, though. When we got the non-farm payroll number this morning, initially it was judged to be too hot, as I mentioned. The home builders looked like they were going to get pancaked by higher mortgage rates. But when the smoke cleared, it was pretty obvious that the number was just in line in the last few months, and that took the pressure off the group. How can these stocks remain so strong when interest rates are still much higher than 12 months ago? Why don't we listen to KB Holmes? They were always a very informative fellow who'd speak, really good management. They'll continue to tell us a great story, like so many of their compadres. This is a really nice stock. Hey, by the way, it's really funny because a lot of people didn't like, it's just like Pulte, same chart. People just said sell, sell, sell. Totally wrong. Totally wrong. Thursday, we get the white knuckler. That's the consumer price index. When we saw the stronger employment number this morning, it threw cold water on the ultra bullish camp. That believes the Fed could merely give us five or six cut rate, uh, rate cuts this year. Those wishful thinkers might be hopeful for a soft CPI number, but I think they'll be disappointed again. I, I honestly don't know what's wrong with those people. The sooner they leave the building, the faster. The faster we'll find a bottom. Look, we have the strongest economy on Earth with gradually declining inflation. It makes no sense for the Fed to cut rates right now, or certainly not a half dozen times. Things are humming. What are they going to do? Make it so it overheats again? On Friday, earnings season kicks off with a vertical steeplechase of reports from the big banks. Look at this. We got J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. Okay, J.P. Morgan's coming in way too hot. And I fear that, and I think it'll be very difficult for them to report the kind of numbers that could send the stock even higher. Bank of America stocks had a nice run, but I think it could go higher. And then Wells Fargo, still nowhere near where it was five years ago, a big reason we own it for the job. Trust BlackRock reports, too. CEO Larry Fink always gives us a terrific overview of both the financial industry and the world. I find that he has a wealth of knowledge, and he shares it in an informative and provocative way. Without politics, but with a desire to tell the truth on a variety of topics. Let's just say that's a rare, rare call among CEOs. We also hear from United Health. Man, that stock's getting crushed. It's been clobbered relentlessly of late, along with the other health insurers. I think anything short of a horrendous quarter will send this stock higher. Finally, Delta Air reports. What can I say? People still want to travel. The airlines are cheap, and so far this year, cheap is attracting a lot of attention. But the bottom line, the new year has started with a redistribution of cash out of the Magnificent Seven. Sell, sell, sell. And onto the sidelines and up to a few industrials, a couple of standouts, and most importantly, the health care stocks. The latter, no doubt, propelled by what people expect to hear from J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, which, of course, is why I'm flying out there for next week and giving you the skinny on what could this red-hot group do and what would take it to the next level. Let's go to Todd in Rhode Island. Todd. 
Jim, booyah. Booyah, Todd. Go Eagles. Well, let's hope so, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim, what's your take on semiconductor uh, TSM? You think it's a buy here? Uh, I think it's okay. Uh, the whole semiconductor stock, the group is up way too much. Let these stocks come down, and then you can buy pretty much every one of them. Let this thing go to a 17 multiples at 19 and a half. Look, the group got expensive. It is a great group. And I think it can drift down, and we'll just have to pick. But we can't get excited about a stock that was up 32% in the last year. Let some other people continue to say, hey, I got to buy, buy, buy. That's not my style. The new year started with a redistribution of cash out of the Magnificent Seven. And maybe people make a lot of jokes. They're not so magnificent and whatever. I mean, enough already. Uh, and they're going into the industrials and healthcare stocks. So the latter, no doubt, propelled by what people expect to hear from the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference next week. I can't wait to bring you the latest from there myself. I have over 3,248 interviews from two days. Oh, man, money tonight. As I mentioned, we're. That was a joke. As I mentioned, we're headed out to JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. And I'm going to tell you, I got to tell you. I am excited. It's just that I think I'm going to leave tomorrow at 3, 3 a.m. because I'm worried about the storms. I'm not going to let that happen. We have a lot in tonight's show. Don't forget, we have Constellation Brands, which I think is going to be absolutely terrific. And a lot of people were watching what they were saying in the previous show, okay, by Melissa Lee talking about beer sales. I think beer sales are even better than they realize. You don't want to miss my talk about FICO, which I think has got a, a, a terrific story to tell. And you know what? I've got what's new and what's normal, the two words that you need to know. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Resourceful small business owners know how to get value from the purchases they already make for their businesses each month. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits and features, like four times membership rewards points that automatically adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. So you earn more where your business spends the most. Plus up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible business purchases at select shipping, food delivery, and retail subscription merchants. And with flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business and access to 24-7 support from a business card specialist, you can continue to run your business with confidence. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Enrollment required. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search, it's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now. 
and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Next week, we'll head out to San Francisco for the big annual J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. I always like to cover this event closely because it's ultra important for the industry. And that's why we had J.P. Morgan's Lisa Gill with us last night. We're headed for an avalanche of major healthcare news. So before the conference starts, I got to set the stage because there's a huge untold story here. Biopharma companies have finally rediscovered the urge to merge. Bye, 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 bye. House of pleasure. Historically, M&A has been a staple of this industry. When big companies start, uh, drug companies, they lose patent protection on their most important drugs. They love to snap up smaller biotechs, which often need their help to commercialize their drugs in the first place. Big pharma is buying innovation, while the little biotechs sell themselves for distribution and marketing infrastructure. Everybody wins. You win if you own them. But in recent years, the deals stopped coming, largely because of hardliners at the uh, Federal Trade Commission. Uh, Linda Khan's FTC seems eager to block any and all mergers. She seemed to think that they're all anti-competitive by their very nature, and she's been especially hard on health care mergers. Now, you can always try to beat the FTC in court, but that's time-consuming and expensive. Many drug companies figure it just wasn't worth the trouble. If they get the wrong judge, they're on the hip for uh, huge legal bills and also for breakup fee for the takeover target. But I think all of that's changing now. Why? Okay, earlier this fall, the FTC tried to block Amgen from buying Horizon Therapeutics for no good reason. There is zero overlap, and the FTC ultimately failed. Reached a settlement to let the deal go through. That was just transformative. This was a $28 billion transaction. Second largest healthcare deal since Biden was sworn in roughly three years ago. Hey, by the way, the biggest deal was Pfizer's $43 billion takeout of CGEN, the old Seattle Genetics, first anti cancer portfolio. Lots of people thought that deal would get blocked when it was announced in March, but it closed last month. Again, no real overlap, and maybe just the anger toward corporate America subsiding here. I think these two transactions have emboldened biopharma companies to give M&A a shot again. In the final weeks of last year, we got a blitz of takeover announcements, and I want to catch you up with them now that we're back from the holidays, and wow, are they bullish. We started noticing this trend when AbbVie announced two major transactions within a week of each other. On November 30th, they said they were paying $10 billion for Immunogen. Those guys have been around forever. They have a recently approved ovarian cancer treatment and a broader oncology portfolio where they harness your immune system to more directly target cancer cells. Then on December 6th, we learned that uh, AbbVie's buying Cerevel Therapeutics for $9 billion. Now, this is a clinical stage biotech company, pipeline of small molecule therapies for, uh, for neurological conditions, starting with Parkinson's, very hard to beat. Though they're doing some earlier stage work on schizophrenia and epilepsy, another two hard diseases. I think these are smart moves for AbbVie, but unfortunately, we just got a reminder of why they're so desperate to snap up these younger biotechs. CBS Caremarks, we're going to speak to them next week, pharmacy benefits manager business announced earlier this week that it's expanding its adoption of biosimilars, the biotech equivalent of generic drugs, and that includes removing AbbVie's top drug, Umira, from some of its list of preferred drugs for reimbursement. Umira is the best drug selling drug company in history, but last year it came off patent, so its sales are collapsing. It's not just AbbVie. On December 4th, Roche, the Swiss pharmaceutical titan, announced a deal to buy Karma Therapeutics. That's a privately held clinical stage biotech for $2.7 billion, plus additional milestone payments worth up to $400 million. Even though Karma's lead drug candidates are only in phase two trials, that's very early. Roche is willing to pay up for these guys because why? Okay, they're working on their own GLP-1 weight loss drug. Something everybody wants a piece of because that's probably going to be the largest franchise in history. 
uh, the largest category in history. It's probably going to take out even the anti-cholesterols. AstraZeneca also did a pair of $1 billion deals. On December 12th, the company said it's paying $1.1 billion for uh, Eicosavax. That's a vaccine maker that two weeks ago. Uh, and two weeks later, they bought this company called Graycell Biotechnology for $1.2 billion. Can you believe all this stuff? This is an early stage Chinese company working on cell therape- therapies for cancer and autoimmune conditions. First time a big multinational drug company is trying to buy a Chinese biotech. It works out it could open the door to many, many more takeouts. But the most active pharma company on the M&A front, and I am thrilled about this, is Bristol-Myers. The very day Amgen closed on its acquisition of, th- of Horizon Therapeutics, Bristol-Myers agreed to buy Marathi Therapeutics for nearly $5 billion up front and as much as $1 billion in potential milestone payments. This is a small, targeted oncology company. Their non-small cell lung cancer drug got approved a little over a year ago. Unfortunately, a very big category. Good way for Bristol-Myers to run out its excellent cancer-fighting franchise. Then, just before the end of the year, in a blockbuster, Bristol-Myers announced two more significant deals. On December 22nd, the company announced that it's paying $14 billion to buy Corona Therapeutics. They've been on the show. They focus on psychiatric and neurological conditions. Yeah, they were on in August of 2022 after they released strong clinical trial results for their schizophrenia drug. It could be a wonder drug, okay? Wonder drug. And uh, I, we're going to look for approval of that this year. Then just four days and one holiday later, on December 26th, Bristol-Myers said they're paying roughly $4 billion to buy Raise Bio. That's a clinical stage biotech, in other words, very early, focused on radiopharmaceutical therapeutics for various types of cancer. Very broad area, very smart kind of uh, acquisition here, uh, especially rare types of cancer. This is another one that made a lot of sense to me. But, man, in the span of a few months, Bristol-Myers agreed to buy three different companies. Let's take these deals as a whole. Again, Bristol-Myers needs to make acquisitions because their top three drugs are facing stiff patent cliffs. Revlimid from from multiple myeloma already started facing generic competition last year. That's what they got from Celgene, remember? Uh, Meanwhile, Eliquis, their blockbuster blood clot treatment, goes off patent in 2026, which is right around the corner. And Opdiva, their big cancer drug, goes generic in 2028. Together, those three drugs account for more than 61% of Bristol-Myers' sales through the first nine months of last year. No wonder Bristol-Myers went on a takeover spree. What? It's just, it's just so much common sense, people. This company has to, turn, uh, has to essentially turn over most of its portfolio within the next few years. I wouldn't be surprised if they're far from finished. We'll certainly take it up with them when we speak to them next week. Here's the bottom line. I know the drug companies are tough to own in presidential election years, but in recent months, we've witnessed a big form of takeover spree. And this wave of consolidation is something you need to keep in mind when the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference kicks off next week because, oh, man, I think it is still in its infancy. Man, money is back after the break. Coming up, fair to say that this stock is outperforming. So who gets the credit? Kramer scores the scorer when Mad Money returns. Looking for a rewarding, life-changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise dedicated to shaping brighter futures for our students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and our proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support, and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference 
Pursue your dreams of business ownership and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today. Earlier this week, I went over last year's top performers in the Dow, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ. And these lists were mostly full of household names or Kramer Faves we've covered so many times on the show. But right under the very top of the list was this number of strong performers with much less name recognition. Think of them as quiet out performers. You know what? They deserve a lot more love. That's why for the next couple of weeks, I plan to cover these companies with stocks that almost made the top five in the major averages because some of them could have a lot more room to run. Tonight, we're going to start with one that's, oh, I don't know, maybe you know it, maybe you don't. It's called Fair Isaac. That's FICO for all you home gamers. Well, the stock that was the 14th best performer in the SP 500 last year, up 94.5%. Now, I get questioned about this one pretty often, the lightning round, mostly recently from Tom in Massachusetts back on December 8th. I told him that I like Fair Isaac, but I wanted to do a deeper dive into why it's been such a winner. So that's what we're doing right now because we are interactive with you. What do these guys do? The ticker is the giveaway. Fair Isaac is in the credit score business, they actually own the FICO score which has become the standard measure of consumer credit risk in America, used by everyone from banks to credit card issuers to employers who actually just want to be sure that they're not hiring deadbeats. What's amazing is they invented this business. Forty years ago, there was no such thing as a FICO score. For those of you who don't know, FICO scores range from 300 to 850. You want to be 850, not 300. And they're the best way that we got to evaluate credit, consumer credit worthiness still after all these years. To get there, Fair Isaac has its own proprietary analytic algorithms that they apply to, uh, to data from Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. Those are the three national consumer reporting agencies. That's one reason this stuff so often feels like a mystery. Now, Fair Isaac has two different ways of profiling from your uh, profiting. I'm sorry, from your FICO scores. First, they have a business-to-business solution division, which is mainly distributed through the major consumer reporting agencies. Second. There's the consumer business where they sell you access to your FICO score, allowing you to monitor your credit and protect against identity theft. They've got a wide spectrum of plans available, including free options. But the real value add comes from the paid options that go from 20 to 40 dollars per month. Now, this may sound like the most boring business on earth, but Fair Isaac's actually quite an innovator. They keep rolling out various flavors of the FICO score, the FICO score 10, the FICO score T, the ultra FICO score. It sounds like you're at a gas station, like buying for Sunoco or something, but it's FICO. They're also improving their algorithms to give lenders more insight into how individuals manage credit. At the same time, Fair Isaac has a software business, which accounts for roughly half of its sales. I like that. Here they offer pre-configured analytics and decision management software that you can tailor to your specific business. Their software tools can include anything from account origination and customer management to fraud detection. Given the typical multi-year subscriptions that Fair Isaac sells for its software, this recurring revenue business helps balance out the more cyclical credit score side of the operation that tends to do better in a stronger economy with lower interest rates. So why the heck has Fair Isaac stock been doing so well lately? For starters, their software division is very strong, especially the cloud side of it. They do a lot of business with banks, for example, and people don't want to go to a bank branch anymore. They want all their information available online, not to mention all the same services. Many banks use Fair Isaac's cloud offerings to better interact with those, with those customers. 
In the most recent quarter, their software revenue was up 11%, but annual recurring revenue, the number I look at, grew by 22%. Meanwhile, Fair Isaac's net retention rate for software business came in at a staggering 120%. Net revenue retention tells you how much business they're keeping or losing from existing customers. Anything above 100% means they're, on average, they're gaining more business from their old clients. So 120%, I am telling you, electric. As Fair Isaac sells more software under recurring revenue contracts, that allows investors to give the stock a higher price during multiple PE, because Wall Street's always willing to pay more for a steady, dependable base of business. Of course, the stock truly caught fire since late October. Why? Well, interest rates peaked. Twelve months ago, nobody cared for the cyclical side of the business, because that's a whole other story. Fair Isaac's FICO score business makes more money when rates are coming down, because more people apply for loans and need their credit check. Even when interest rates were relentlessly rising, uh, Fair Isaac still managed to grow FICO score revenue by nearly 10%. We're talking about the quarter. That ended in September here. So right before long rates peaked, they were still doing that good business. In particular, the business-to-business side was terrific, up 21%, thanks to some major price increases. These guys actually hadn't raised their price for enterprise customers since the 80s in some cases. But given that they're the only game in town at the moment, they had a lot of unused pricing power. Management thinks they still have a lot of room to raise prices. Now, here's the rub. After nearly doubling last year on top of putting up a 38% gain in 2022, the stock's gotten expensive. Right now, it sells for 47 times this year's earnings estimates. I don't like that. It's meaningfully more expensive than any other members of the consumer credit monitoring food chain. Equifax, it sells under 30 times. TransUnion trades around 18 times. Then again, Fair Isaac has that big cloud software segment. And on the FICO score side, there's not that much in the way of competition. Still, I wouldn't be surprised... If the stock needs to spend some time digesting its gains from the past few years, like so many of the other winners. But longer term, look, I am really impressed by these guys. I'm impressed by the fact that Fair Isaac's basically been untouched by various wannabe competitors. They claim to have a better mousetrap, including many of the companies that came public during the last three years. Upstart, the lending technology company, like to talk about making the FICO score obsolete. But if you look at the action of the last couple of years, it feels like more like Upstart's uh, being made obsolete. Finally, there's frankly, I've got to tell you, there's one story that I, a part of that I really like across the entire financial tech space where newer operators flamed out while big incumbents kept waiting. These guys stood out. Here's the bottom line. Sometimes we forget that established players like Fair Isaac can still innovate. But this is clearly an old dog that has learned new tricks. I like it. Given the current setup, I recommend waiting for a pullback before you pull the trigger. But I think it's a very strong company. It will do well as interest rates remain stable and the Fed gives us several cuts in 2024. Tracy in Louisiana. Tracy. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, thank you, Tracy, for calling. What's happening? First time caller, longtime listener and happy club member. Yes, thank you. We put a lot of good stuff out this week. How can I help? What are your thoughts on Oracle short-term as well as long-term? Okay, uh, this is a great question, Tracy, because you know I took a loss in Oracle for the Chapel Trust. And the reason I did was because they had a, uh, a quarter that was not good. And then, but on the quarter, they said that things would actually get better, and they didn't. Uh, and they felt that the quarter was very good. And I have no room for companies that say that things are good when obviously the Uh, The market thinks they're not. So they're in the penalty box with me. I hope they come out of it. But short-term tracing, meaning the next two quarters, call me a skeptic. And thank you for being a member of the club. Let's go to Jeff in California. Jeff. Hey, Kramer. Booyah. Booyah, Jeff. Of course. What's going on? 
Hey, Kramer, uh, trade desk is up 489.3% in five years. It's up 60% in one year. And Kramer favorite, Kathy Wood, recently bought $107 million of trade desk, and she owns $12.3 million of trade desk. But, and it's a big but, Jimmy Chill, it's had a major pullback. On December 19th, Trade Desk was 77 bucks a share, and now it's only 67 bucks a share. So question, can I buy it right now, Mr. Kramer? Uh, okay, the worst of all, I have to tell you, I think Jeff Green is fantastic. He's the CEO. I think the world of the company, and they're really hurting, well, they're up against, uh, against Alpha, against Google. All that said, I think that the stocks, you know, it's going to have to spend some time digesting here because it's got a really high multiple, 53 times earnings, and the market does not like high multiple stocks right now. I think, Jeff, if you ask me whether I should buy it or not, I would say buy it. But I also have to say you may have to own it for a while before it really starts making a lot of money. But it will, because Jeff Green is a moneymaker. Sometimes we forget that old dogs can learn new tricks. When it comes to an old dog like Bear Isaac, yeah, fight though. I actually like it. But you know what? Maybe a pullback's in order. Much more mad money hit. The beer division helped bolster the quarter turned in by STZ, Constellation Brands. And I'm learning how the companies continue to grow the same with the CEO. Don't worry about wine and spirit. Beer's really strong. Ben, I have two words that represent what themes are working so far this year. I'll reveal what they are and whether I think their leadership is deserved. And, of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This wild action in the stock of Kramer fave constellation brands. Beer, wine, and spirits company better known for Modelo, Corona, Pacifico. I follow this one closely because we own it for the Chapel Trust. I have to admit, I was a little nervous before it reported this morning because the alcohol, like, you know, the spirits business has been struggling. When the numbers crossed the wire this morning, they certainly weren't perfect. We didn't expect sales, strongly expected earnings. Beer did incredibly well. Wine and spirits disappointing. In the end, Constellation raises full-year earnings and cash flow forecasts, and that's what matters. Initially, the stock sold off in pre-market trading, but after a couple of minutes, investors started to focus on the positives, like the strength in beer or the excellent expense control. Things only got better as the bullish cop score unfolded, with the stock finishing the day up more than 2% or $5. So can it keep climbing? Let's check in with the with Bill Nolans. He's a straight-shooting president and CEO of Constellation Brands. Get a better sense of the quarter. Mr. Nolans, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. All right, so, Bill, it looks like that what people did is they finally understood 80% of your company's beer. Beer is just so much better than everybody else's beer, not just everybody else's liquid. It's incredible. And what I think happened this quarter was that people realized that you are turning into uh, not builders of breweries, but operators of breweries and darn good operators of breweries. Talk us about about the number of cases you are selling and the number of brands that do 20 million cases. It's been an incredible quarter, Jim. And as you point out, we really have moved to operators. We'll do 400 million cases of beer this year. And in this particular quarter, Modelo was up 12%. Pacifico was up 19%. Our Chilada business was up 22%. That makes 55. Think about it. 55 consecutive quarters of growth in beer. And we're gaining two share points of the overall category while we're at it. Well, one thing is really clear. You have a constituency, a customer loyalty like no other I've ever seen. Talk to me about that, because people are usually football brands. I'll take this beer. I'll take that beer. It doesn't happen with your beers. It's very true. Our brand loyalty is off the charts. And a big piece of that is our Hispanic community. Uh, our Hispanic base is a, is a real tailwind for us. 
And the loyalty of that customer and consumer has been tremendous. And it gives us a great opportunity. Uh, but it's also been working very well in the general market community as well. Modelo is a great example. Our awareness is up six points this year as we have taken over the number one spot by dollars in the, in the total beer business. Now, uh, you made it very clear several times in the call that you, you came out hot. November was great. I have to continue, continue maybe in December. And what happened? I mean, most people, this beer business is a seasonal business, but not with you guys. November was a great month. We came out of the month very strong. And I'm pleased to say December has been equally good. So we're really looking for another strong finish to the year. And it'll be a great capper on, on what's been a tremendous year for our beer business. Now, Bill, I, I got to tell you, I heard from a lot of people in the industry today. They thought I was way too negative about, about wine and spirits. They said, look, you got to distinguish. Tequila is doing terrifically. You can't just say Constellation Brands doesn't have some good, uh, some good spirits. I turn to you because you're not going to take that back over. I know you know that side. Am I wrong? Am I painting too broad a negative brush? I think you might be just a shade. Uh, certainly, there's areas of the business that aren't strong. The mainstream wine business is very challenged, and we have some brands in it that are challenged. But when you think about the Mayomis and the Kim Crawfords and the Prisoner and High West and Meat Campo, which is one of our tequila brands, and Casanoble, you've got a lot of brands that have a lot of legs and a lot of runway. But it's the real tale of two cities. The high end is doing very well. The low end, not so much. So premiumization is still working in that category. It is. You still see the consumer wanting to buy better. And I think that's an important part of, of why there's still plenty of runway in that particular business. The other thing I'd point out to you, which I think is important for us in particular, is the consumer that buys across all three categories, beer, wine and spirits, spends six times as much as a consumer that only buys one of the three categories. Wow, that's incredible. Now, do you think that it's possible that that middle area, the challenge is uh, getting hurt by by cannabis and younger people like cannabis. Well, cannabis might be a part, but interestingly enough, that consumer is doing things like looking for more flavor and 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 more uh, betterment. Two areas where we're spending a lot of time. I think it shows up in our chilada business. Very high flavor products. These products uh, have really broadened our demographic as we've added different sizes. It adds new occasions. It adds new consumers. You know, as we brought 12 ounce out in that particular area, it broadened the reach to women, as an example. So there's there's a lot of things that are changing and the younger consumer is doing things a bit differently than you've seen historically. But we think we're well positioned to take advantage of that. Right, let's talk about two threats that are happening in the spirits business. One is dry January, which used to end at the end of January. And the second is the GLP-1s, which seem to have, by the way, no impact on beer. I mean, from what I can tell, GLP-1 and beer are just very different. It's almost like one's a social and, and one uh, spirits are actual alcoholic that people are afraid to get fat or get fatty or whatever. Talk to me about GLP-1 and talk to me about dry January. Well, first of all, GLP-1, I'd say you're dead on, which is it's really having next to no impact on us. Every, every factoid we look at, says that it's really not uh, impacting our business at all. And relative to the dry January, you know, our view is if people want to participate in that, the best way to do it is to have a damp January. You know, have a Corona non-alcoholic on a Tuesday evening or drink Naomi Bright or Kim Crawford, Crawford Illuminate, you know, things that are a little bit lower calorie. Going damp is way better than going dry. 
I think a lot of people would agree with you. Now, uh, I, when I read through the call, I was trying to compare it to the other calls. I know Elliott Partners is now in there. I think incredibly well of them. Uh, to me, it seemed like you're getting heading a little bit more toward your traditional consumer uh, products group stock. And the reason why I say that is because your growth is so much better than all the rest of them. That would give you a higher price earnings multiple. People p- compared you directly to those companies that are growing 1% to 3% and it's all price. That's right. And we obviously have both volume growth and we're still getting a bit of price. We always have said 1% to 2% we think is very strong. When you look at our growth profile and then our margin profile that goes along with it, I, I think it's very hard to beat. Well, I do want to point out uh, that you guys have never, ever positioned yourself as someone like what Carrefour did against Pepsi, where you're ripping people off. I mean, I always went, when I was, you know, 12 years of business with you, I never saw you guys actually, I could never really see the price increases. That's not your stop. Right. It, you know, we've been very judicious, and we've talked about this from the beginning, e- even, even in a time during COVID when obviously inflation got a little carried away. We try to be very judicious. My view, Jim, and I've probably said this to you before, is I don't want to lose a customer. Right. It's much more expensive to go get them back than it is to never lose them. So we're very careful. We look at pricing on a skew by skew, market by market basis, and we're very careful. We think that's in the best interest of us in the long run. Well, I want to congratulate you on a monster quarter, Bill. People just don't understand. To 20 million cases, everybody's dream come true. And you're doing it with so many different varieties. It's amazing. Bill Newlands, President and CEO of Constellation Brands, STZ, position for the Travel Trust. Man, money's back after the break. Thank you, Bill. Coming up, pop open those umbrellas and tee up your toughest questions. Kramer takes on all comers in the lightning round. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Yeah, it's over the lightning round. So with Dave in Ohio. And I know, Dave. Hey, Jim. Love you. Um, Thank you, Dave. i got a high-quality problem. I uh, am playing with the house's money, but what do I do with Immunogen? Immunogen is ka-ching, ka-ching. That's Abby's property now. Let's move on. Congratulations. Let's go to Matt in Ohio. Matt. Mr. Kramer. Happy Speak to Friday. me. Yes, same to you. What's going on? Damn so, January. Uh, actually, um, first I wanted to just thank you. I mean, everything that you put into it has given me the confidence to do custodial accounts for my kids and then also manage a small position for my wife and I. Um, so, again, just a sincere thank you. Uh, you you define, and, Matt, what I'm trying to accomplish. You define it. Absolutely. And that makes me feel great because I've been at this for a long time. And when I hear you doing it, I say keep doing it. Thank you very much for that. Thanks. I appreciate you, sir. Um, so the stock I'm calling about is Realty Inco- Income Corp. It's taken a dive over the last handful of years, obviously, since COVID. Looking to see whether I stay with it. It pays an outstanding dividend. Do I stay with it? Do I cut bait? I want you to stay uh, with it. I also like the monthly dividend we have. And you're absolutely right about the trajectory of the stock. It yields 5%. We've had them on. Let's get them back on. I really like it. It's a very steady story. And I love monthly dividends, and I love steady stories. Let's go to Mark in Ohio. Mark. Hello, sir. Mark, what's Good up? I'm caller. All right. Qu- question on Micron Technology. Sure. 
Buy, sell, hold. Okay, Micron is all the way back. I mean, this stock, I mean, it's incredible how fickle Street is. At one point, it was like at 81 today. Yeah, it was at 81 and it's low. What, 83 and uh, 45. I think the stock can tread water, go back to the high 70s. Uh, but here's what you need to know. If, there's a, if there really is a PC refresh cycle because of this Microsoft button, you're not going to be able to buy Micron at this cheap again in, in this year. So buy half now and then see if it comes to the 70s. I want to go to Andrew in Mississippi. Andrew. Oh yeah, Kramer. How are you doing, yeah. sir? All right, doing good. How about you? Man, I'm doing great. I, I got one question. Um, this is going to be on a Bitcoin play. I've got money in MicroStrategy, but my big crypto mining pick is Bitfarms. They well, you know, I, I don't really hashtag. know Bitfarm. I don't know it. I mean, look, if you want to own Bitcoin, I think that's absolutely fine. But let's just own Bitcoin. Uh, give me the ETF. We go in the ETF, but. I just feel like it's just speculative, and I have nothing to offer on a uh, on bet fund. I have nothing to offer. Somebody's got to just own it. Let's go to Ann and Marilyn. Ann. Hey, Jim. My question is about the mining company Ramico, ticker M-E-T-C. Yeah, it's doing incredibly well. I mean, people like metallurgical coal all of a sudden. I'm not a buyer, okay? I'm not a buyer. Let it go up without me. I just think that coal does well for a little bit, then coal gives up the ghost. I remember a decade ago, people were talking about a coal super cycle, and people lost a lot of money. I am not going to go down into the coals region. I don't need it. 52 week high. Bye-bye. Let's go to uh, my Tikyu. My Tikyu? Sorry if I got that wrong. In Maryland. Hi. My Tikyu. Hi, Jim. I always watch your show. I'm uh, happy to get to today. Uh, I have a question about GE Healthcare. You know, what do you think? Is it a buy or... I think it's just ridiculously cheap. I think it's doing so many great things. I think it's got... Frankly, I don't understand the valuation. When it was the 66, there was a guy who downgraded. I said, bye, bye, bye. Big position for the Chapel Trust. I'm just sticking with it over the long haul. I like that business very much. It's MRIs. Let's go to uh, Richard in California. Richard! Ba-ba-boo-yah! What's going hey, on? I have a stock. I got I got a firm grip on this. Cohair. What do you think? You know, Cohair is a little too expensive. I mean, the military life science got the pastiche, if not uh, mosaic, of a lot of different companies that are out there that I just don't think is very, to me, very compelling. Let it come in. Let's go to Charles in California. Charles. Hey, Jim. I um, was recently looking to get back into ARM. Is that something worth buying or should I I wait? think you're absolutely right. I think Renee Haas is doing a fantastic job. I've seen ARM come down. People feel like maybe the cell phone business isn't that good or maybe the PC business they want to go into is not that good. Forget it. This company is doing so much so right. They're going to dominate cell phone, PC, hyperscale. This is one you want to own, and it's come down a little bit from its high. I want to buy it for the Chapel Trust, I swear. I think the Renee Haas is doing that good a job. Let's go to Henry in New York. Henry. Hey, Dr. Jimmy Chill. Thank Yo, you for man. taking my call and sharing your in, in, uh, encyclopedic knowledge with us on a daily basis. Doing my best. I'm Thank calling you, about Teva Pharmaceutical. A lot of litigation issues over the years, but they seem to have some positive price action lately. Yeah, do I don't know. I mean, look, it's cheap. It's so apparently cheap. It does feel like it's got some momentum. All it does, though, is have momentum. I've never been a buyer of Teva. Well, actually, there was a period where I was a long time ago, maybe like a decade ago, maybe 15 years ago. But I'm not a Teva guy. I just think there's other guys who, who like it better. They did have some good scientists at one point. They may still, but I just don't think it's anywhere near as interesting as any of the companies I'm covering next week at JP Morgan. Let's go to Sam in Massachusetts. Sam. 
Jim, congratulations on uh, an outstanding year last year, 2023. Ah, yeah, thank you. We had some good ones. Thank you. You got, you guys uh, just crushed it. You and Jeff and, and Jeff and Jeff and uh, just wanted to reach out to you and tell you that. And that's um, very kind. Very. Yeah, we did. Year, we did okay. Another, another year of pulling back the curtains, teaching people how to raise money, and at the same time donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to charities. Jim, thank that's just outstanding much. work, brother. Thank you. Last time I told you, I asked you about CRH, and um, you got back to us about a week later and um, gave us the bull button, and it's up 25% since then. So let's do it again. Um, Live entertainment, big time right now, and um, this this company's got some great franchises, and I want to want to reach out to my uh, smart as a whip nephew Michael, who uh, suggested this. Um, What do you think of TKO, Jim? You know, okay, so this is one I will tell you. I said it to my partner, David Faber. I'll say it to you. I actually don't understand how to value this company. I wish I did, and you said such nice things about me and Jeff, and I don't mean to let you down, but I don't know how to value it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. Coming up, does the ball drop cause stocks to suddenly flip-flop? Don't let the calendar do your thinking for you. Kramer explains next. Booyah, Jim. Your integrity makes you the Booyah Saint of Wall Street. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Booyah, Jim. Quadruple. That's a lot of booyahs. Ask me to describe what's working this year in just two words, I'd say normal and newness. The normal has to do with money managers thinking that we're finally back to business as usual, post-COVID, post-post-COVID, post-rate hikes from the Fed. As for newness, it means money managers want to buy companies with fresh wares that feel more exciting, which is another way of saying they don't want the tried and true. Think the Magnificent Seven and their fellow travelers. Newness can also mean value, as in liking a stock that's actually cheap, but ignore it because it's been overlooked. How is it possible that we've had such a big switch simply because the calendar changed? How can January 2024 be so different from December 2023? First, the money management business has a showmanship component about it that isn't talked about much. At the end of the year, they have to show their investors what they own. And because they don't want to look like idiots, they have to show that they own some Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and Tesla. Even if they genuinely hate those stocks, many will still buy some near the end of the year, simply to avoid looking like clueless dummies. And they need to hang on through the end of the year. Once the new year begins, though, they can cashier these positions. I think that's where a lot of the selling came from this week. So what's normal? I've used, let's, you know what, it seems like normal is being used to describe Home Depot and Lowe's, which took some damage from the decline of do-it-yourself home improvement crowd in 2023. But now we're told that in 2024, those people will be back. Don't laugh. Look at these stocks. They're screaming, return to normalcy. It's a big reason why we like Staley, Black & Decker for the Travel Trust. Normal could be buying the stocks of Ford and GM, which are ridiculously cheap, even historically or not historically, any, by any measure. Or banks like J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo. Again, what's normal in a market that suddenly cares about things like valuation? A normal market where people want to buy what's historically done well, growth at a reasonable price, which is what the banks give you at this point in the business cycle. Newness can mean some new fashion, perhaps from Macy's or Abercrombie or even Dollar General with this new management. It can mean a Kava or a Peloton. But really, newness is all about portfolio managers trying to show that they're working 
and not just riding the Magnificent Seven now that they've gone out of style. That might mean buying an Illinois Tool Works or a Nucor, maybe a Union Pacific, a CSX Royal Caribbean, or a Regeneron and an Amgem, which are historically cheap even after the run and feel very new versus the artificial intelligence plays and the endless enterprise software place that Wall Street loves to hype because there's always a lot in the pipeline to come public. So if you ask me to sum up what's working so far in two words, yes, I'd say normal and newness. At the end of the day, though, it's a silly question. I think it's a mistake to extrapolate too much from any single week of action and not even a full week, one that typically tends to be pretty good. Rather than getting caught up in this stuff, just own the stocks of good companies that you think represent good value to you. Companies that can do well over the long haul. Forget the calendar. Of course, I get how people can become slaves to fashion. If everyone seeks new and normal, those stocks go higher, even if they shouldn't. And you certainly want to own stocks that go higher. Nonetheless, nobody ever said the money management business is brain surgery. It's more salesmanship and storytelling. As long as you know that, you won't be fooled by the mechanics of the market that tend to make the first week of the year so darn bizarre. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday in San Francisco from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.